The Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan is dedicated to the more than casual viewers of the hit TV show, Lost. Contact us at info at lostmysterypodcast.com with your questions, comments, or feedback. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the Lost Mystery Podcast with Anton and Evan. I am Evan. And I'm Anton. And uh, today we're going to talk about episode two of season one of Lost. It's uh, called Tabula Rasa. And um, first, I wanted to make sure that you all know about our website. It's lostmysterypodcast.com. We'd love for you all to get uh, signed up and registered over there so you can be part of the community. Uh, leave your comments, notes, you know, feedback on the individual episodes and just start to get to one, know one another. It makes it a lot more interesting for us if we know there are people out there listening and interacting. So again, see us at lostmysterypodcast.com and you can send us an email at info at lostmysterypodcast.com. And make sure if you're one of those Twitter folks, you can see us at twitter.com slash LM podcast. That's LM as in Lost Mystery Podcast. And uh, be sure also to rate us on iTunes. We just got our feed up there on iTunes. So uh, the more you can rate us, the more people will get our show out too, and we'd appreciate it. So let's dive right into this episode number two. Anton, do you have a talking point we can start with? Well, yes. Um, Actually, uh, I was just thinking about what... uh... I'd like to talk to everybody about on this episode. And and one of the main things with me is that um, I remember the last time we talked, we talked about um, Kate and her character and some of the developments that came out and um, actually uh, that actually came out in this, uh, this actually second episode. Mm -hmm. And it started off just with her um, and her story uh, pretty much, not not too far into the storyline in, in the second episode, and uh, I I don't know what it is, but um, for whatever reason, they're making her seem very very like well, the guy keeps saying dangerous, you know? Right, right. And um, the flashbacks that she's had, things like that. Like I can't get like why she's so dangerous, you yeah. know? I I just don't get that. I don't see it in her personality. I don't see it uh, uh, at all. I, and but this guy is is very very adamant about saying. Don't let her, don't let her, you know, trick you. Don't let her, you know, you know, and I'm just like, okay, what, what is this, what has this girl done? Right. And I think part of the problem too is, is almost casting related. Um, I don't know. She just doesn't look like the type of person that could really ever do anything that would shock you. Like, right. I mean, the worst thing you'd imagine her doing is like, you know, turn the library book in late or something like that. And <laughs> sure. so, so it's, it's kind of odd. Like from the very beginning, I've had kind of this conflict with, with the whole storyline they've created with her character. And really do I believe that she could do, you know, some of the things that they're going to say that she did. And, and I do have a lot of trouble with that as well, but that's, that's a great point. Um, I mean, they, they kind of create way too much of a contrast between her, you know, real life character and her on Island character. Oh yeah. I mean, like literally there's in this, this episode, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at this and I'm thinking and I'm, and I mean, literally this, this, the marshal wakes up for a moment in this episode and he starts to choke her. Right. Yeah. I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like. Like I wanted to like go through the screen and fight the marshal. Like this dude's deranged. <laughs> yeah. He's like he's my my thoughts. He's love he's love us a love us obsessed. You know yeah. he's like right. He's he's ready. Like for whatever reason, I feel like he's got this like attraction to her and like uh-huh. uh, he, it's kind of his evil little plan to bring her down on something because I like her so well. Right, and know? I and I think one of the things that they do is they 
they do kind of go back and forth with kind of a cat and mouse game with the Marshall and Kate later on in the season. Maybe it's next season. I'm not sure. But yeah, they do create this dynamic where he knows he needs to catch her because it's his job. But there's also part of him um, that kind of enjoys the fact that he's chasing her. And we'll see more of that later. But um, yeah, in that same scene is when Jack actually learns um, that Kate is the fugitive that he had on board, which is a right. pretty pretty big deal. It kind of changes, you know, his perception of who she is and makes him realize that, you know, she's probably someone totally different than he imagined. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you can see his will's turning um, because obviously, you know, we're thinking this, uh, and, but this is an actual real case scenario. And, and you know, he has you could obviously see that he's growing, uh, really growing close to her. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like he does a great job, uh, you know, Matthew Fox does a great do- job of portraying the uh, character of Jack, like going, wait a minute, the same girl that I'm like, you know, talking to is, is dangerous, you know? Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and I think it's great that, you know, Hurley came in on it and, you know, he, he just kind of <laughs> like, okay, yeah, she's dangerous. Yeah. You know, it's like, he, he, he questioned it. He's like, Dude, you need to talk to her. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and the scenes later on where where he actually is is around her for the first time after finding out that she's a fugitive, and he's clearly pretty shaken and <laughs> isn't well, at, you know, isn't very good at hiding those uh, app, you know the apprehension that he has toward her. Oh yeah, he all he wanted to do was go get the water. You know, he was freaked. <laughs> he was freaked out. You know, and I'm sitting there looking at this girl, and I'm like, uh, probably not gonna freak you out. If anything, yeah. you're you, you know you're gonna want to be around her. So. Yeah, one of the interesting things they mentioned in the episode that I just kind of caught on to is, uh, you know, they mentioned they had to talk about whether or not they were going to be rescued. And um, I think it was Saeed that said something about, you know, they couldn't be found by the satellites because, you know, the satellites can take a picture of anything on the surface of the Earth, uh, but yeah. they have to be no, they have to be told where to point. And I think that was probably addressing some of the um, you know, criticism people had back then of, well, you know, of course they could find them. They've got satellites that can, you know, see the mm-hmm. face of a dime on the ground. And uh, he has a good point there that obviously they can't be seen because they're, you know, they don't know where to look in the first place. Right. Which once again, I think goes back to this, the freedom that these uh, writers and this group has had. They're, they're like, to me, it just seems like now knowing that there was some controversy, you know, about, okay, that's so unrealistic mm-hmm. that they were able to like literally write in, you know, in the beginning of this, this whole thing. Oh yeah. Well, let's address that issue right now. Yeah. And that's one of the cool things is, you know, when they first started the show, they set up this, you know, the forums over at the fuselage, uh, com, and they would actually watch the forums to see the response from people as they watched the show. And then they would, you know, sometimes they would address those issues, you know, either by inserting a little clip of dialogue or something that would make it easier to understand. So that's one of the cool things about, you know, the fact that they, you know, the internet was such a, a normal and, you know, familiar things to most people uh, when this show came out because, you know, they could get online and interact and provide the much needed feedback that the writers needed and could use to help, you know, turn the show into what would be you know, really satisfying and enjoyable to the audience. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm obviously when I watch TV, most of the time it's just a escape for yeah, you know, from reality for me. Right. But, mm-hmm. but but the th- but the thing is, it's like this is to me, this is like the first show that I've ever seen that has given the viewer so much control and insight. Uh, that it, it, I don't know. It just to me, it just seems like this is kind of like a. Um, 
something that's uh, new and they're doing such a great job at it. Now I could be wrong. They, they could have done this for, since TV was invented, but for me, yeah. this is the first time I've seen it so much, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the interesting character things here on another note um, was they had the exchange about the gun. Oh know, yeah. Trying, trying to decide, you know, who should hang on to the gun, who should, who was the most trustworthy and uh, obviously decided to choose Kate to hold on to the gun. And I think that's mm-hmm. another example of, you know, her personality on the island just doesn't match up with the way the things they're trying to ascribe to her, you know, past and her character, you know, as a fugitive. And maybe it's just because she's doing such a great job of hiding it to everyone right now. But the fact that they, they see her as trustworthy without knowing much about her, I think gives some, um, you know, an inherent trustability to her character that they're trying, oh, yeah. you know, trying to keep us from, from believing. Um, Definitely. But the, let's see here, we had, um, okay, we found out that Kate was on the run in Australia, um, ended up working, you know, for a farmer there, helping right. him take care of his, you know, his farm, which helps give us a better idea of the kind of life Kate, Kate had before she was on the island. She was obviously on the run, and um, and I think they even made a comment about how she had walked like 100 kilometers or something from the nearest city, and so she's... Uh, Clearly, there's something really serious going on with her. Yeah, I mean, I I was picking up on that, and just like I said before, you know, her her personality outside the island was just kind of I mean, raw and you know, kind of sharp. Like she would say things to the farmer that definitely were unkate characteristic. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it just like um, you know, when he first caught her out there, she was like, uh, "What are you doing here?" She, you know, she was like. I was tired, you know, right. you know, in all these, I was hungry. I, you know, all these different things, very short kind of brash type responses. And, right. but now, now you look at Kate on Island and, and like you said, they all chose to give her this gun, you know, and now looking at it, you're going, okay, of all the people to mm-hmm. give it to, she's the last one they probably should have gave it to her, you know? Yeah. And there was another kind of contradiction I thought in this episode with her character where, um, you know, she makes the comment when they're all talking that they shouldn't tell everyone else about the distress call, that they basically need to keep it to themselves and lie about it. Right. Um, yet, you know, and she, she says something in the episode about having trust issues as well, but yet then she turns around and goes and tells Jack about the right. distress call. And I thought it was kind of, you know, contradictory to her supposed trust issues and, um, you know, her not not being willing to trust anyone else with information that might compromise her. And then she goes straight to Jack and tells him all about it. Like maybe there's something going on there that might grow into something later on. Yeah. I mean that, that to me kind of just, you know, pointed to a couple things. One, just a, uh, you know, a little high school sweetheart thing. Like he, she kind of had this crush on him. She was trying to stay, you know, close to him, but then also points to a, a, like an allegiance, you right. know, like she's trying to like, pull you know power to her side you know i mean if she is that conniving and that dangerous maybe that is within her character to do that I, you know at this point i have no idea you know so right and there was one interesting note that i made um you know the farmer was trying to get kate to stay another night so we could you know turn her in for the twenty three thousand dollar yeah. reward um you know while they're on their way we finally get to see the the first or i guess what seems to us to be the first you know encounter between her and the marshal outside of the island and um you know she has the crash and uh, one of the things that i noticed was that you know when she drugged the farmer away from the the burning truck 
uh, they made a point, you know, to show that his prosthetic arm came off. And then they actually showed a shot of just the arm laying on the ground for, oh, probably a second and a half or so. It was a really odd thing. Like they were almost trying to point out the fact that he had right. a fake arm for some reason, uh, which was really odd to me. I hadn't really noticed that before. Yeah, I, I don't understand really. I kind of was a little like weirded out by it. That yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't didn't know. I think now looking back at it, that's why he needed so much help and stuff on the farm. You well, yeah. know. Well, he did make a comment. He made a comment about it, like whenever they were sitting there in the kitchen, and he said something about you know he had a a farm to run and a heck of a mortgage to manage, and yeah, uh, he kind of knocked on his own arm saying he had a that's bum, right, bum arm. yeah. But I thought it was weird that they had, you know, they made it clear that he had a messed up arm. Why did they have to make it even clearer <laughs> by showing a shot of the arm laying in the grass? It was just right. kind of like, oh, I guess it could have just been that they were wanting, you know, they showed the arm coming off when she was pulling him. <laughs> maybe they <did laughs> maybe they didn't want people think, thinking that she had pulled his arm off or something on yeah, accident. Maybe. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, okay, yeah, it's fake. It's fake. Yeah, you we know? get it. Yeah. We get it. But then again, yeah. it could be something important too. Like I, I'm not sure what in the world it would be, but maybe down the road there'll be some weird thing with a one-armed guy, and we're supposed to remember that you know that guy only had one arm or something. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I know that after that, though, one interesting thing was one of the things that the marshal did say to her: had she not saved him, she mm-hmm. would have got away. Yeah. Once again, goes back to the the Kate that we see on the island, that type of person, you right. know. So it's like, wow. Well, and it could be too that, like, you know, Kate, whatever she's done, is like it looks terrible to the people outside. But if they knew her true intentions in doing it, it wouldn't be, you know, it would be more of a, a struggle in their minds of whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing. Sure. Um, so it could be that, you know, yeah, maybe what she did was legally wrong, and she needs to go to prison. But that was done, you know, out of some type of goodness in her own heart. And that's what I keep going back to. Honestly, that's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm so like into her character and think she's such, you know, a great person. Like I want mm-hmm. it to be like some Robin Hood story, you know, yeah. <laughs> rob from the rich or rob from the rich to give to the poor or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but one there of, was some. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're fine. I said there was a couple scenes in there that in that just I mean stand on the whole Kate thing real quick that that were like I don't know that were pretty um, hard to watch for one um, and just kind of just uh, crazy uh, to see was the uh, they showed the you know the scene in the airplane because Kate's perspective was you know she saw everything so we got to mm-hmm. see a lot of that then we also got to see the marshal. Um, get hit in the head, you know, during that uh, multiple mm-hmm. times, you know, and like to me, it was just, uh, it was almost like it was, it was hard to watch that over and over and over again. Right. But the, the go along with that is the marshal, how he struggled throughout this whole episode was just like, like you almost felt what they felt on that island going, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this man, you know, can you just get some rest, you know? Right. Yeah. It was, it was, I don't know, for me, there was an overwhelming sense of just uh, pain for that marshal. But at the same time, I didn't want him to wake up and like ruin Kate, you know, either. Yeah, right. Well, one of the interesting um, secrets that's kind of revealed in this episode was, you know, what the secret was that Locke told Walt in the previous episode. Uh, We find out that, you know, what Locke had told him was that a miracle had happened to him in the crash. Um, 
any ideas what in the world that might be? Well, actually, I have seen up to the point where, um, I, you know, I know what one of Locke's miracles is, you know. Right, right. Uh, and so, um, but I didn't know, and that's when we you talk, we talked about this uh, in the first podcast. Um, it was, to me, it was, uh, I couldn't remember what, what exactly, uh, not that I couldn't remember what had his miracle, but why he, he told the kid or what he told the kid. I, I thought right. maybe he was telling him, um, you know, something to do with the game or, or you know, something to do with his dog or, you know, right. but... Uh, but yeah, so I think Locke's full of mystery, so I'm still yeah. not convinced that that's what he told him. So Yeah, we'll see. I, I think you're probably right that the the miracle we're both thinking of is probably the one he was referencing. Um, another interesting thing that happened on the show that kind of I definitely think is a mystery is, or I guess it could just be coincidence, uh, the scene where Michael tells Walt that, you know, as soon as it stops raining, he'll find his dog, Vincent. Um, and mm-hmm. at that exact moment, the rain stops. I mean... It could have just been a you know comedic coincidence they wanted to throw in there to you know throw in Michael's face, you know the fact that he probably didn't plan on going to find the dog when the rain stopped, or it could have been you know some kind of supernatural phenomenon that actually caused the rain to stop and forced him to make good on his promise to Mike to Walt. Oh yeah, no, I I actually wrote down in my notes I put it just on my notes. What's up with the weather? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, because it's not just this episode. In the pilot episode mm-hmm. as well, there was this crazy rainstorms, and this immediately it stops, and it's like the be- most beautiful day ever. So, right. Uh, and Charlie, I think, I think Charlie even made a mention of it in the pilot episode about how, yeah, he you did. Know, we have this weird apocalyptic weather that goes from, you know, perfectly normal to like crazy, insane weather, like in a second. Um, so yeah, there are some weird weather stuff going on for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm still obviously uh, even at a point where I'm I've actually watched it too. I, I have no idea uh, why or what that's all about, but it, I did take note of it because it seems like it, it happens quite a bit. Yeah, uh, there was a great character moment I thought in this episode where it kind of showed a little more about Locke's character when uh, he made the dog whistle and um, you know to get uh, Vincent uh, Walt's dog to come back. And then once the dog comes back, he, he allows, you know, Michael to take the credit and basically kind of help strengthen that relationship with, with his son. Cause it's obviously a little on the rocks and uh, they're not getting along too well since Walt's mother passed away. Yeah. I, I, you know, like I said, you know, Locke is a very interesting character to me because about the same time I start to like him, um, I get scared of him. So yeah. Uh, it was really awesome that he was, he he had done that and just trying to help the relationship. But then, you know, I go all the way to the closing scene where it just shows, you know, Locke staring at the the father and son, and it's just kind of this weird, eerie stare. And I'm like, yeah, oh. you I know, made, I like, made a okay. note of that scene also. It, it is really every time I see it, just gives me chills. It's like the the look he has on his face. I'm not even so sure if he was watching you know, Michael and Walt, or if, if like he was staring off into the distance thinking about something yeah. that, that he knew was going to happen or, um, you know, like he knew was about to happen or if he was aware of something very dark that, you know, and sinister that no one else knew about that, that whole scene just has always really puzzled me. And I, and to this day, I really don't know what the purpose of that was. I mean, it could have been a number of things, but it's just a great, great, um, kind of question mark about, Locke's character. Oh yeah, 
you know, and he already has a sense with just two episodes in. He ha- you could kind of sense from him that he's got some type of understanding that maybe others don't. Right. You know, he's yeah. got some kind of insight, at least into people, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe not over the island and stuff like that. But he has this like he gets people and gets their feelings. And, and right. he I don't know. It's just some kind of weird vibe I got off of him. So, yeah. And even in that for the first episode, he has that conversation with Wald about backgammon and the, the two sides, mm-hmm. one light, one is dark. Like they are just really hinting around that, you know, he is aware of something about that island or something that we don't know about yet. And I actually found an interesting note about, you know, when they were creating the show and, um, you know, J.J. Abrams, who's the creator of Lost, um, had called the executives at ABC and uh, started to talk about the idea of, you know, the island being a character unto itself and not just kind of a setting for the show. Um, Right. And that just doing a show about a group of people on a deserted island wasn't necessarily something he was interested in. But if the island was a character and was some sort of mysterious place, he would be interested in that. So I think that we're definitely um, in the, going on the right path right now with, with Locke having this weird understanding that, you know, maybe this, there's something really strange about this island and it's not just the place they happen to crash. Right. Yeah, that well, yeah, Mr. Abrams did a great job uh, <laughs> at creating the, a, a character within the island. Uh, it, I mean, it definitely has its own personality and it's uh, it, I don't know. It's 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 just awesome to watch that unfold. Um, I did have a, just a random question mm-hmm. um, that I kind of come up with here. Uh, it kind of goes along with the the um, Vincent the dog. I'm like, okay, so you got this jungle and you got this crazy killer thing out there, and you got you know all this going on. Well, why did the do- dog not get killed? You know, it's like yeah. this dog lived <laughs> lived among the you know the beast of the tropical island, right. but yet was able to come and you know in unscratched. And I was like. Okay, I don't know what's yeah. what that is about, but uh, the dog didn't live on the beach; it lived right. in the jungle. You know. Yeah, and what I don't get also is they said in the pilot episode that the dog was was in the plane. It was in probably in the cargo area where they usually sure. keep pets. How in the world would he have survived, you know, the crash? Let alone be you know running through the jungle when Jack woke up and run right past him. There, there's right. definitely something odd about Vincent and the fact that he's alive and. The fact exactly. that they've, they've really made several mentions of him in just these first two episodes, and um, oh, like, yeah. like he's somewhat of an important character, and, and I'm not sure how, but they seem to be uh, indicating that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it was a it was a big struggle that was finally resolved between you know mm-hmm. um, father and son, and, right. and that had lock lock to to play in on that, and you know, so I don't know. I think you're right. I think there's some definite definite. Uh, Vincent uh, character to still come. Yeah. Did you have any um, other major notes or theories or questions that came out of the episode? Well, um, I like there's a couple of things that like little quotes that I that I had written down, mm-hmm. and um, the farmer had said to Kate um, that uh, everyone deserves a fresh start. Right. Yeah. Uh, which was very I a think interesting. Theme. Yeah, major theme in the show. It seems like. Right, and then. Um, then at the end, to kind of to caveat that, um, Kate and Jack are sitting there. And once again, this is the part where I wanted to go walking down the island and fight Jack. Uh, <laughs> it's because he'd probably win because he's that good. But yeah. it's you got, you got Kate and Jack sitting there. And, and, and Kate's like, I want to tell you, Jack, what I did. Yeah. And Jack looks over at her and he says, I don't want to know. 
Yeah. And it, you know, and at that point, then he goes and he says something. He says, three days ago, we all died. Uh-huh. We should all be able to start over. Right. You know, so that kind of goes right wrong with what that farmer, you know, was saying to her. Uh-huh. Um, and but one thing I didn't want to hear, um, but, you know, was uh, that he wasn't going to let her tell him. <laughs> but uh, I guess it goes a lot right along with the theme. So. And that quote actually was the main inspiration behind a lot of theories back when the show started. Um, there was a major theory was that, you know, they had all died in the crash and basically what was happening on the island was kind of like a purgatory and, mm. uh, you know, they were all being forced to kind of, you know, atone for these, the things they had done wrong in their life. And, uh, that comment about, you know, three days ago, we all died, um, was, was taken literally and not really metaphorically. Ah. Um, but I think since then the writers have debunked that and said that, no, it's, uh, it's not purgatory. You know, you're barking up the wrong tree, but uh, it was That's a good theory, though. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the best ones at the time, I think, and uh, they definitely shot it down pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, one other thing, just in the first two uh, episodes that I've noticed, that was kind of just a, eh, you know, uh, kind of maybe not a big deal, but Charlie's always writing on his fingers mm-hmm. these words, you know, right. and I don't know. I mean. I don't know uh, if this means anything. He, you know, he wrote fate at one right. point on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I just, I just kind of took notice of that. Yeah. It's, it could mean nothing. It could be something important. It's really hard to know. Yeah. So, but um, obviously this, this, this uh, episode was very Kate driven. Um, and, you know, it's pretty much a lot of, about her character. Right. Yeah, I think they, they take that on as a theme over time. You know, kind of each episode is themed around or based around a certain character, and they give you a glimpse into the, what happened to them before they were on the island and, and those kinds of things. Oh, I, I, there was one, one other uh, section that really uh, caught my interest, and that's when um, they were with the marshal, and the marshal wanted them to take his life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Sawyer stepped up and – he did something, you know, and decided to to shoot the marshal, but mm-hmm. he wasn't. He actually perforated his lung, right. and didn't. And he was gonna have to bleed out for, you know, like the doctor Jack had said for a couple hours, you know. Right. And, and Jack had to go in and, you know, basically end this man's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that that was a, that was a very intense scene. Uh, you got to yeah. see a little different side of Sawyer, uh, and you got to see a different side of Jack. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of. Um the scene where, you know, Kate's talking to Jack about the marshal and asks him to put him out of his misery, you know, after she finds out that his medical problems aren't going to get better and he's likely to suffer for several days. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jack just kind of, you know, it's more than he can handle. And, you know, he thinks she's trying to have him killed so she can be rid of him and, you know, be free. And he finally just breaks and tells her that, you know, he knows she's the fugitive and, you know, he won't kill the marshal because, you know, quote, he's not a right. murderer. He's not a murderer. And, right. uh, man, it's just. Uh, and I, ultimately, I'm, he had to do it, yeah. you know. Yeah, and it and it's also makes you wonder, you know, how their relationship will possibly, you know, turn into anything more than what it is now with, you know, him knowing she's a fugitive of some kind. And right. think, thinking that she actually wanted him to kill the marshal and not really, you know, believing that her motives were, you know, having compassion for him. Right. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, this seemed like, but before that point, it seemed like it was just, that was it. You knew they were going to be together. 
and right. now there's this whole other element that's yeah. <laughs> uh, you know i don't know you know well do you have any other items that you uh picked out of the episode i think that that's all my notes that's all i had well, uh, everyone, thank you for listening again. Uh, we'd love you to go to our website. Again, that's lostmysterypodcast.com. You can sign up there, get involved in the community. Or if you're one of the people that use Twitter, you can uh, follow us on twitter.com slash lmpodcast. That's LM for Lost Mystery Podcast. Uh, we'd love to have you follow us, and we'll follow you back. And if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can email us at info at lostmysterypodcast.com. We'd love to have your feedback on the show, ways we can make it more interesting for you, whether you're a first-time listener to the or first-time viewer of the movie or the TV show, or if you're uh, someone like myself who's been obsessed for a long time and you're looking for more ways for it to be interesting to you, we'd love to have your feedback. And of course, rate us on iTunes. We need all the help we can get getting the word out about the podcast, and we'd appreciate your help. I also wanted to send a special thank you to Cliff Ravenscraft over at gspn.tv. And um, they actually do their own Lost podcast. It's a really popular weekly Lost podcast. He sent us in some great feedback, and I thought I would share that with everyone. Um, but until next time, you guys have a great day. Hey, Evan and Anton. This is Cliff Ravenscraft over at weeklylostpodcast.com. And I just wanted to say congratulations to you on the launch of your brand new Lost Mystery Podcast want to say that as a podcaster and a lost podcaster, you guys did a wonderful job, and I love that you're approaching this from a different perspective than that of other lost podcasts out there. What an awesome idea. Even going into season five, trying to bring people up from the very beginning, going through and discovering lost for the very first time. For those folks out there, I know that I will certainly be telling the folks that I know that are just now getting into lost where to go to get some of that additional content to help them get up to date. One of the insights that I gained from listening to your first episode is about Saeed. And I recall the whole terrorist, you know, concern thing way back in the day when I was first started watching Lost. But honestly, it was not at the forefront of my mind. But of course, today, with all the talk and all the political pressure of surrounding the war in Iraq and and, and all those pressures that it really got me to thinking how awesome, as you guys even mentioned, in the show is it that our writers of Lost, and notice how we call it our writers, but, but anyway, the writers of Lost did such an awesome job of taking such tension between people. I mean, this is a guy who fought in the army on the other side in a war that we are still having. And I don't want to break into it too much, but just to say that that, that Saeed's character is one that means so much to us as Lost viewers over time is just amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, I think you guys are doing a great job. Keep up the wonderful work. Hope to hear more from you. I am definitely subscribed, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye-bye.